1: We are about to break the sterly bonds of gravity and punch the face of
2: God. Left Jab Productions I present draw, Edge of Sports good, Radio, where sports hat, and politics collide.
0: And kid,
2: now your callin'. host, Dave
0: Zirin. The schmatter kid. Boom!
1: Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and
3: politics collide. I'm Dave Zirin. Joined, as always... By a man who's back from repenting for his sins on Yom Kippur, Dan Baker, DB. Guy like you would have to fast a month, man. Oh snap.
4: <laughs> Jewish sin humor. <laughs> and joined by the coach, Kevin McKnight. How you doing, coach? You know, let's tell our fans that we are here in Washington, D.C. and there's a big flack about the risk gets yucking up in the locker room after the game. We don't
3: use that name on this show, Coach. Oh, I'm
4: sorry. Yeah, the Washington football team. I'm this sorry. We're all breaking these habits. I apologize. But go on, go on, please. But the point of it is, you know, last last week's show wasn't one of our stellar ones, and you were, you know, you were you were laughing hysterically out in the locker room afterwards. What Get is that about? Out of
3: here. A last year was stellar. Last week was stellar. <laughs> Last year. Last year was pretty stellar too. B I've been drinking cough syrup for about six or seven hours. So whatever I say. <laughs> just, Any
0: excuse. just
3: be like frozen and let it go. And joined by the man himself, Mimar Bay. How you doing Mark.
0: I'm, I'm loving the Frozen references. It's good. Thank you. Are we? Is this going to be like an all Disney show? Uh, all Disney. Okay, that's right. All right, let's do it.
3: But but only if Dan does a little Andrew Lansbury and sings Beauty and the Beast.
0: I mean, that closes the show. You get you, you gave oh, yeah. away the ending.
3: Oh man, I didn't know there was a surprise ending. All right, Dan, real quick, buying or selling on the Chicago Bears? I had them going to the Super Bowl to play the Bengals. What do you think of my prediction?
0: They they are who I thought they were. Ouch. They're they're an eight and eight team. Uh Uh-oh. Ouch.
3: Really? Because you're a fan. You're
0: wearing a bear shirt right now. I I love the Chicago Bears. I I love... Their mediocreness. They're pretty, they're pretty, pretty great that I way. I think the word is mediocrity? No, no, it's mediocriness. Is it really? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> is this a reference to the quarterback? I mean, no, no. it's the team itself. Oh, I, it's really. it's, it's uh, okay. look how
3: sad he looks. I know. Yeah, it's like yeah. this is radio. It's rare in radio that someone trails, <laughs> <laughs> trails off and depressingly moans.
4: You're two for two. You got Dan upset. I, I bring, upset, I bring and you and got something new. I know. You can't mess with me, buddy. Dan's upset because I pointed out that he didn't fast Yeah, Dan's
3: finally eating. That's why he's happy. Oh. Oh man, and coach, but you're in good spirits. Look, we got a hell of a show this week. We got a couple of things. One, I want to talk about St. Louis Cardinals, the politics of the St. Louis Cardinals, and some of what's happening in St. Louis right now. <laughs> very, very high-octane stuff that we I want to break down with you guys, get your thoughts. Second thing is I want to talk to you about uh, Isaiah Thomas. And the third thing is we are going to get an old friend on the phone, Jeff Millard, to talk about the oh, start good. of the hockey yeah. season. That's what I'm talking about. But first,
1: we got to go to break. Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. We'll return after this. Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide.
3: Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio. We're back here at Edge of Sports Radio. Nice pause there. I know. It was my delay because I'm feeling very good about being here. Dan Baker, coach. How you doing? Coach, coach, are you watching the Major League Baseball playoffs? Is that something that you do at all? Are they going on now? <laughs> okay, so not not so much on your yes, radar I watch, Dave, I watch, the games are going I past bedtime,
0: that's why. Come on now. They not, really are. And
3: I yeah. will watch the Orioles, yes. Yeah, I mean, and you grew up... Were you an Orioles fan growing up just because that was the only game in town? Not really. Yeah. It just, no, no, just no, baseball. Frank
4: Robinson, by the way... Uh, well, there's another... St- no, no, please. Go we're, ahead. Frank Robinson, did you see the... Um, they did a special, ESPN did a special on Frank Robinson and just his contribution to baseball. I mean, and, you know, when he went through, the first black manager. Yeah, I knew that. Um, yeah, but and I mean.
3: Cincinnati playing in, being a star in Cincinnati, yeah, which is yeah. not exactly a town that's been yeah. open to African-American players. Right. At least we actually,
4: growing up, we, when, when the Sinners were here, uh, we actually hated the Orioles because they would whip our butts r- religiously. Yeah. But then, you know, as it turned around, I got uh, Boog Powell and Brooks Robinson, Frank, Belanger, Blair, all those um, the pitching staff. Palmer, Cuellar, Weaver. Oh yeah, such
3: personalities too. Uh, like I no can name, question. I can name like the whole pitching staff of those Orioles teams from the seventies before I was even alive, and I can't name like the starting pitching staff for the Royals right. that are in the playoffs right now. I can't yep. name the starting pitching staff for the Cardinals. It's kind of embarrassing. But speaking of the Cardinals, um, let me. This is some breaking news. Uh, terrible news. This happened um, yesterday is, you know, Ferguson, Missouri, of course, explosive protests after the shooting death of unarmed Michael Brown by police officer Darren Wilson. Yesterday, another uh, 18-year-old African-American man named Vonderritt Myers Jr. killed by police there. Uh, the police say he fired a gun at them. Witnesses say he was holding um, a six-inch sandwich sub, and it. protests have exploded again throughout St. Louis. Now, mm. on October 7th, which was just a couple days ago, Uh, There were demonstrators, Ferguson demonstrators, trying to raise the issue of why Darren Wilson has still yet to be arrested, why there's no justice in Ferguson, why police brutality is ongoing, and they chose to demonstrate at the St. Louis Cardinals game. Now, what happened, and this is all on videotape if people want to see it, is the Cardinals fans who chose to confront – and it certainly wasn't every Cardinals fan. It wasn't 50,000 people confronting these protesters. It was a couple of hundred people, though. It was really ugly. Uh, One person put uh, Darren Wilson's name on the back of his uh, uniform jersey and and, and was showing off his back to the cameras. Uh, They tried to drown out the demonstrators by first saying, let's go, Cardinals, and then chanting, let's go, Darren, for Darren Wilson. Uh, They yelled – the kind of things that they yelled, like uh, they chanted (laughs) USA, USA to drown them out, and they chanted Africa at them to drown them out. Yelled things like, we're the ones that gave you all the freedoms you have. All this is on video. People can see it. Uh, Maybe get a job, things like – like the things that were yelled at them were disgusting and totally disgusting. Now, it's worth pointing out that it's more complicated than looking at this as a white and black divide for two reasons. One is that while the Ferguson demonstrators were um, majority African-American, it was a multiracial demonstration – and as far as the Cardinals fans go, it looked all Caucasian to me, but let's remember that it's $60 a ticket to get into the games. You know, you're paying for parking, you're paying for food. So it's wrong just to be, like, white counter-demonstrators because, I mean, this is also a certain privileged whiteness that was there as well, like people mm-hmm. with the kind of bank accounts that allow them to go to St. Louis Cardinals games, people who are, view the police as a line of protection Against communities like Ferguson, not looking at the fact that someone who was unarmed was shot and killed. Now, some of this is also about alcohol, I believe. I mean, these are like upstanding citizens of St. Louis chanting Africa at people. I don't think they do that if it's 12 noon and they're at their office job. I mean, some of this to me is about tailgating, and alcohol can be like a truth serum, and it dredges that stuff up. You're fooling yourself, Dave
4: about oh, the alcohol? Uh, yeah, that they they would chant it whether they were. Are you you're saying because they were under the influence? And I say uh I'm that's in it, their heart.
3: No, I'm agreeing with that. No, that's what I'm saying too. Oh. Okay. I'm not saying the alcohol produced the words. I'm saying the alcohol was the truth serum that brought it out oh, to the okay, surface. Okay. I'm sorry. And if it was 12 noon at their office job, and a black coworker worker walked by saying, gee, this Ferguson thing is terrible. They wouldn't stand up and go, Africa, Africa. I'm saying that that's a part of it. Right. Is the, it I mean, to me, it's like the reactionary side of mass ballpark culture. But the, the, last thing, the last thing about it that I wanted to say, and this is the part that really tears at my heart, is that it makes the St. Louis Cardinals look like it's some kind of operation for only some people in St. Louis and not for others. Like the Cardinals are where you go if you stand with Darren Wilson, and if you stand with the idea that people shouldn't be shot if they don't have weapons, you know, unarmed black people shouldn't be shot, then you're with the demonstrators. And, you know, Michael Brown was buried with a St. Louis Cardinals hat. Mm. That was his team. Mm -hmm. And anybody who's read the David Halberstam book, 1964, Mm -hmm. knows that the St. Louis Cardinals were a symbol of, of black pride. At a time where the game was changing very 1964 Civil Rights Act Of course mm-hmm. getting signed Historic mm-hmm. year uh, That was the year The Yankees were in the World Series I believe they only had One African American player In Elston Howard mm-hmm. And the Cardinals were Lou Brock mm-hmm. Kurt Flood mm-hmm. Bill White Future mm-hmm. NL president And the player who was Martin Luther King Jr.'s Favorite baseball player Bob Rob Gibson Bob Gibson, Absolutely. Gibson. So, Cepeda the, was on their
4: team Cepeda Cepeda Javier was on their team at third Yeah I mean they had a You know uh, Those Hispanic descent players, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: And, and so it's just there's something about this team now being a stand-in for people as this symbol of I am Darren Wilson that to me is just particularly – I mean, I don't know whether I want to call it ironic. I don't even know if I want to call it tragic because the real tragedy is that people are dying and being killed. But it, it just goes to show you, man, how malleable sports is and how it can be used both as something that brings us together but also something that tears us apart. Your thoughts, Coach? Anything
4: Dave, I'll, I'll tell you this straight up the bat. When the first uh, uh, incidents occurred in Ferguson, I was happy. I supported that because I thought that Michael Brown would have made a blurb uh, on the morning news show and would have been gone off and not be heard of. Mm-hmm. So when the civil disobedience, we call it what you want, happened, I was glad for it. Mm-hmm. because it, it, And it, did it it did its due it stayed. The focus stayed on Ferguson, and all of this came to light about uh, Michael Brown being in, in uh, on the street for four hours, and all the things that happened. So I was down with that. I said, "Go." I said, "68 revisit. Let's do some. Let's do some work here." Now uh, with this incident, I don't know enough to speak about it. I haven't read that, um, uh, and I will. Um, so you know, like I said, a lot of history goes on with this. I've got to read more about it. I'm, I'm listening to what you got to say. But I have no problem with what initially started in Ferguson. It needed to be done.
3: Yeah. And to be clear, just in case there's any confusion about this, uh, this young man, Mr. Myers Jr., was um, killed yesterday. That's that, Just to be clear about this, that's a Wednesday. And the protest we're talking about is October 7th, mm-hmm. uh, October 7th being Tuesday. So mm-hmm. just to give people the line of... Uh, or I think actually the protest was the
0: sixth, and the story broke on the seventh. Right, it was on a Monday. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Mark, Mark, what I, I, what are your thoughts on this one?
0: I think that this is really interesting. You've got you have the zeitgeist that's the conventional wisdom for baseball that the St. Louis Cardinal fans are the most upstanding, smartest, mm. best fans in baseball that they care about nuance, they care about all these sorts of things, and then you see what happens when you put this kind of cultural thing in there and. Real, like real things and real thoughts come out, mm-hmm. like real feelings come out of this. This is the clear epitome of why sports is a mirror for uh, what's happening in our culture rather than mm-hmm. being something that happens uh, on to the side, like exempt from the culture.
4: But I will add, Dave, this is why I tell folk, young folk, to stay on guard and don't watch sports and fall asleep at the wheel yep. and just root, root for the home team and Alma mater you. The thi- things are out there, sports parallel society. And, you know, what you're talking about, the, the get a job and all the slurs and all that, it's real. And it has not gone anywhere. The times are better. I mean, Mark uh, and my daughters are, are, are the same age. And I'm like, OK, you have your ideas. Things have come a long way, but they haven't gone. Mm-hmm. They're, they're still there. Be alert. Don't come back with, you know, your are heartbroken about what just happened when you hear these stories like this. To me, it's its, it's it, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I have a hard edge and a uh, status quo to me. But, you know, um, so because I'm I I cannot watch sports just for sports' sake anymore. I see more. That's why I'm here with you today, because there's Mm -hmm. much more to sports than root, root, root for the home team.
3: A lot more, especially in a place like St. Louis. And that's actually what I want to talk about after the break, whether or not St. Louis is an exception or whether or not St. Louis is America. It's a more complicated answer, at least from my perspective, mm-hmm. than you might think. This is Edge of Sports Radio. I'm Dave Zirin. We'll be back right after this.
4: One,
3: do don't
1: move. Dave Zirin will be right back with more Edge of Sports Radio. You're listening to Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. Boom! We're back here at Edge of Sports
3: Radio, joined by the coach, Kevin McNally. How are you doing, Coach? man. Me, Mark Barry. Do me, Mark. Fired up. All right. I'm going to take this discussion. To my Facebook page Which is not exactly Uh The place where you want To take interesting (laughs) Introspective discussions It's about to devolve here No, no but, But the subject matter And why it upset people So much is what I want to talk about Because I posted the story that came out about what happened outside the St. Louis Cardinals game on Monday where a group of Ferguson demonstrators came out to chant. And then several hundred St. Louis fans shouted back at them everything from chanting the name of Officer Darren Wilson who killed the unarmed Michael Brown in Ferguson to chanting things like Africa and get a job. Uh, The question was, is this a St. Louis thing? Is this because the Cardinals have this reactionary culture around them, the city of St. Louis, um, or could this have happened anywhere? All these people on my Facebook wall, a lot of people got really mad at me because they assumed by me posting the article that I was saying that this was a Cardinals thing that this was a St. Louis thing, that this was the kind of thing that could only happen there. And they're like, oh, that's so blinkered and narrow-minded of you. Uh, St. Louis, eh, no better or worse than anywhere else, blah, blah, blah. And also it's like, how dare you call out the Cardinals and you post an article. The last line of the article is sort of a cheeky, go Dodgers, mm. which I <laughs> thought was actually funny when I read it because they were <laughs> the racist, go Dodgers. And it's like, and you post an article that says go Dodgers. Who could forget when the Dodgers tore up Chavez Ravine? <laughs> You know, and, and throughout the Latino poor workers to build their stadium. You're acting like the Dodgers are so moral. And yeah, it's like, that. oh, yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. But it's sort of like, I mean, it's so weird because it's almost like, wait, I don't have 10 years of goodwill in writing about this stuff. Mm. It's like people just assume that I'm making that kind of argument that only St. Louis is racist. The mm. Cardinals are uniquely backward. No, the argument, of course, Is not that the United States is this post-racial paradise, and yet St. Louis, Missouri is this hermetically sealed chamber of hatred and bigotry. No, I'm not arguing that. No, I'm not arguing that there's something particularly awful or toxic about the Cardinals. Not Not arguing that at all. Arguing two things, though. There's racism everywhere. There's anger about racism everywhere. There's oppression everywhere. Sexism, homophobia everywhere. And the thing is, is that most of the time, when we're talking about just basic hours in the day, it lies dormant. It's this sort of thing that just sort of festers, and it leads to things like high blood pressure, leads to things like, like depression, hypertension. That's oppression on a, on the, in the normal, something that slowly eats away at people's lives. And then you have these flare-ups. And when these flare-ups take place, and as you were saying, Coach, that you were glad that the demonstrations happened in Ferguson because it ripped the mask off of what's going on here and brought it to national attention, I think a lot of people agreed with you, Coach. That's why there were demonstrations in every city, and people said there's a Ferguson in every city because there's connecting the, what's happening in this, frankly, very small suburb of St. Louis to everywhere, like people in Los Angeles, biggest mega city in the United States protesting because they said Ferguson is us. So, it flares up in St. Louis, and anywhere it flares up, that should be where the protest is. That should be where the attention is. That's where the fight for justice should be. I mean, you wouldn't have said in 1955, "It's like don't support the Montgomery bus boycott because it's you know bad conditions for Black people on the bus all over the South." No, you support Montgomery because that's the leading edge of the struggle. You don't know, say, "How? Why are you talking about Montgomery when there are problems in Jackson, Mississippi?" Why are you talking about Montgomery? You know, it's like, no, you don't do that. You go where the leading edge of the struggle is on the theory that the chain breaks at its weakest link. And if you could win justice in a place like Ferguson, then Mm. it'll have a real ripple effect. Mm. That's social movement building 101. That's the first thing. The second thing, and I feel really strongly about this, is that the overwhelming majority of Cardinals fans, I believe, would not have stood there and yelled. I don't know what's in their hearts, but would not have stood there and yelled the things, those couple hundred people. So you don't want a couple hundred people to brand the millions of Cardinals fans, the 50,000 people who are at the stadium, etc. But it's not good enough to say, I'm a Cardinals fan and that's not me. That's not good enough. You can't just say not all Cardinals fans are racist. What you have to do is commit yourself to actually standing up to the ones who are. That's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear, oh, they're a minority. I want to hear, well, I went up there and tried to tell them to stop. I went up there and tried to shame them for what they were doing to those demonstrators. Or I took my ticket and you know, put it in my pocket, went out and stood with the demonstrators before going into the game. You know That's what you want to hear. Not, not all Cardinals fans, because that frankly doesn't help anybody. That doesn't help anybody. Coach, your thoughts.
4: You know, beautifully said, Dave. And, and, and I want to clear a little, little bit up here. It's Sure, some of it is race-based, but also, Dave, it goes back to what we were talking about before the break, the sacred sports. Mm. It doesn't belong here is probably what, what a, a large mass of the people were feeling. Look, Very leave politics, leave USA's social ills, out of my peace and contentment of just rooting for my home team. That's why I think had this not been Ferguson, had it been some other venue, um, at a ball game, at a football game, baseball, at another venue, a sports venue, a lot of the same things would have happened because a, lo- a lot of people say, leave it alone, man. Yeah. I know it's out there. I, I, just, I don't want to deal with it now. Give me these th- three hours to root for my favorite team. Take it. And, but, but, but it shouldn't be that way because we're talking about sports. We're talking about a game, and versus what you just how you just eloquently spoke about. Hey, this is real. This is this this shouldn't be happening, on a, on a hum, human basis. Forget sports.
3: And the thing about it, it could have happened at any sporting event. I, I can, will continue to argue is also aggravated by the fact that unlike previous generations, there is much more economic separation between Absolutely. who gets to go through the turnstiles yep. and who are affected by things like police violence. Can't ignore that part of it, Mark. What are your thoughts, man?
0: I think uh, a lot go of the mark. yeah go mark <laughs> go, go mark. mark I think a lot of the backlash that you got from even tangentially not saying that you you meant to say so that implying that Cardinal fans might be the racist that it might be on them that, that it might be on St Louis as. Uh, in general, I think there's a big backlash from from someone being accused of that. There are sports fans, whether it be Cardinal fans, if you look back towards Penn State after the whole Sandusky thing, there was a huge backlash talking about not all people from Penn State. While they're out there uh, riding through their campus when Joe Paterno gets fired, you've got the fans in Baltimore before the suspension happened standing up during training camp, cheering on Ray Rice, not mm. talking about the social ills one way or the other about it, but he's one of us. He's on our team, so therefore uh, that they're, 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 I, I think there's something really there to defensiveness. So. Yeah, I agree with you. I
3: think that's a good point because what people at this time of year, what people want to do more than anything else, is wear their Cardinals hat to work, mm-hmm. have the fun discussions with their coworkers, and the last thing you want is someone to be like, "You're not like one of those racists, are you?" Mm-hmm. You know that that strikes people to the bone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can say this of certain some family members of mine after the Ray Rice thing. I mean, just bumming about feeling weird about wearing Ravens gear at the gym. And just bumming about that. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just like, you know, you got to do what you're comfortable doing. You know what I'm saying? It's like you got your own moral compass. You got to figure it out. And if someone says something to you, don't be defensive. Figure out how you want to respond. I mean, that's the, way, the only way you can be like, frankly, a politically honest or authentic person. The answer is not to burn all your raven's gear because you're worried what someone else is going to say. Mm-hmm. Just like the answer is not to burn your cardinal's head because you're scared what someone's going to say. It's got to be what's in your heart. Like either figure out what you're gonna say, or decide that you don't want to support a team that would be associated with this. But make it your own decision based on your own compass. I'll tell you this though, Mark, just based on something you said, I would come back on. I'm more sympathetic to the Penn State crowd than the uh, than, than the the Cardinals fan thing. And I just want to say why mm-hmm. is because I mean you're talking about a massive, massive state school that does a lot of good that has tons of research people go there and don't even notice that there's football because they're obsessed with their studies that person does exist and the idea that their alma mater gets like that that shame is applied to their alma mater uh because of something that the football team does i mean i gotta say like if i went to penn state and had a positive experience there i would wear that gear and if someone said to me hey that's the paternal gear or what have you you I know, mean, like I said before, like I would say something back, like, you know, yeah, well, this is also where I, you know, met my partner. This is also where I learned what labor history was. This is, I don't know, maybe that's you think that's a little too
0: schmaltzy. You think? No, I don't. Maybe I don't little. think. So. I, I, I think that there's there's needs to be some sort of break in it. Like the people that enjoyed their time at Penn State, and specifically the people after the Paterno firing that were out there. Demonstrating rioting and literally breaking up their own campus on that. I think that's a completely different thing.
3: And you got to, when these things happen, whatever that is, it's good to know what you think about it and not just have what you think shaped by what other people say. Right. All right. In the last two minutes of this, earlier today, I did interview Isaiah Thomas. So sorry mm-hmm. it wasn't for this show. But I do got coach. Mm-hmm. We talked about it beforehand. I, I asked Isaiah Thomas, who is he most scared of the night before a big game? Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan. He said Larry Bird, mm-hmm. which you're the only one in this studio who guessed correctly. Mm-hmm. Dan said he said nobody because he's so competitive. Mark said Magic. I would have said Magic as well because we all agree he did not like Michael Jordan. Coach, why, why were you the only one in this studio to get that right?
4: One, because you know he can't stand Jordan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan uh, stopped him from being on the Dream Team, and he's going to take that to his grave. Magic, they've had their, their roller coaster ride. The Bird thing, uh, I still think he's in cleanup mode from what he said uh, in the playoff games about Bird just an average player. Or, that was twenty. Years I, I got ago. you. I, I remember got
3: you. Bird hired Isaiah to coach the Pacers. I got you. How bad could that? I've never understood how bad could that blood be.
4: It, 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 Gave but, the man a damn but, job. But but, but look, the, the special was on what uh, three months ago, and, and 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 it brought everything up. But that, that aside, I think he re- really thinks that Bird. Could play, and Bird could play. I'm a big Bird fan. You know, people say, hey, he's, you know, he's got the the white man syndrome, can't jump and all that. Bird was a fantastic athlete. His hand-eye coordination is probably one of the best ever. Uh, so I'm a fan, so I can see where Isaiah can say it. And, and the politics of the other two players involved.
3: What's well, also funny you say about, about uh, Bird's whiteness, because one of the things that um, Isaiah said is that in our interview is that he feels like it's flipped and Bird is now underrated and undervalued and that he needs to be in the discussion of best player ever. And he still has him over LeBron on his starting team. No. Really?
4: <laughs> no.
3: I might be with him on the LeBron. Cl- I think when LeBron's career is done, he's okay. the small forward on that team without question. Right. But let's see what happens. Uh. Hey, this is Edge of Sports Radio. I'm Dave Zirin. We got to go to break right now. We'll be back right after this with Jeff Millard.
1: Dave Zirin will continue with Edge of Sports Radio after the break. Nice to know you. Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio. joined
3: by the coach. Can we know how you doing, coach? My man. Me, Mark, are you doing, me, Mark? Thinking about soccer for some reason. You're thinking about soccer? Mm-hmm. I don't know why you're thinking about soccer, because we're about to talk about <laughs> Hockey. <laughs> it sounds like soccer. It almost rhymes. It doesn't. We are in the soccer studio, but it is the start of hockey season. And when that happens, we only have on one person the one, the only Jeff Millard. Jeff, how are you doing, sir? I
5: am quite well. Hockey started last night. How, how can I not be insanely excited? T-
4: time out, though. Time out. i got to right have a here. time out. Millard, you belong in studio. Where are you when we need you, Potty? What, you big-timing us now? What is this all about, man? I'm looking I look forward to the hockey uh, season and you in studio.
5: I would love to be in studio with you, but I have moved from Washington D.C. to Oakland, California. Oh, a, a so, little bit of a is problem. Is that a good excuse? <laughs>
3: <laughs> First of all, Jeff Millard, honest opinion, your thoughts. I don't know if the numbers are back yet. How aware do you think is the sports world that the hockey season started last night?
5: You know, in the states, not really. Let's be honest. You know, you got the Major League Baseball playoffs started. You have NFL football started. Uh, the beginning of hockey season isn't when the ratings really kick in for the NHL. It's the the big ratings keys for the NHL are going to be the winter classic, the other outdoor game in the stadium series, which will be in San Jose this year, and and then the playoffs. And it's really pushed by certain markets. Uh, Most of the country doesn't care about hockey. Hockey makes its money off certain markets, LA, Chicago, New York, Buffalo. Uh, In the States, those are the hockey markets, also you, you can toss in uh, areas around uh, Wisconsin or excuse me not Wisconsin on uh, Minneapolis uh, and Detroit, but for the most part, hockey's going to make its money on certain markets at very particular times, mm. and this just isn't one of them
3: so it's it's a hyper regional sport at this time of year is what you're saying
5: definitely at this time of year it'll it'll spread more when it comes to the playoffs. lots of non hockey fans watch hockey. Uh, during the playoffs, but the the first few games, you he, probably a pretty hardcore hockey fan to get excited uh, about watching uh, Montreal and Toronto play last night at 7 p.m. Eastern, mm-hmm. which for me was, was 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm turning it
2: on.
3: So. <laughs> That's awesome. That's like World Cup style. It's like, boom, in front of the TV. People might not know, in answer to a good trivia question, bar trivia question, is what's the last of the four major sports to not have a re- repeat champion? The answer, of course, is... The, the NHL, NHL yeah, yeah uh, the Red Although, Wings
5: there's, there's a lot of people think it could change this year
3: and that's what I'm asking you man because of the Red Wings did it in 97 98 when Monica Lewinsky was just a gleam in America's eye <laughs> now it's 2014 can Los Angeles do it they
5: can yes uh will they I'm not sure it's gonna come down I think it's it, the, all of the interest is in the Western Conference. The Eastern Conference we can talk about in a second, but it's, it's pretty lackluster. Other than the Bruins, you don't have a dominant team in the Eastern Conference, and there are weaknesses on the Bruins. When you look at the Western Conference, I mean, I'd say the third best team on the Western Conference is the in the Western Conference is the Anaheim Mighty or the Anaheim Ducks. Sorry, for Ducks fans, mm-hmm. my Mighty <laughs> Ducks. Lip. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks are probably the third best team in the West. I got a feeling that the Ducks that destroy any East Coast team in a seven game series. So really, more than likely the the team that comes out of the West is going to uh, is going to win the cup more than likely. Uh, and right now that looks between Chicago. And LA, They're your two dominant teams. Now, there's a lot of really good teams that are falling underneath, and it's going to be a, an interesting watch to see who can get to those eight playoff spots because there are teams that, if they played in the East, would, would clean house and would be finishing uh, number one uh, that won't make the playoffs in the West.
3: Well, let's talk about the East for a second because – there's a couple of intriguing angles in the East that maybe, maybe could belie what you're saying, which I totally agree with, about the the talent gap. What do you think the chances are about Sidney Crosby returning to form and the Penguins being a team? And if he does, the Penguins being a team that we should keep an eye on?
5: With the Penguins, Sidney Crosby has never been the problem with the Penguins. Uh, This is like people who criticize Ovechkin. Uh, I think both Criticisms are lacking. Neither of those teams have ever had a problem, really, with their offense. You know, uh, Bill Vetchkin's out there scoring crazy goals, and uh, Sid is, is a goal scorer and assist master. Like, Sid is, is, I would say, not anymore the best player on the planet. I would give that to Jonathan Caves mm-hmm. out in Chicago. But Sid is still an amazing player, Pittsburgh is still going to have incredible offense. The question with Pittsburgh is can they get a netminder who's actually going to get them through a playoff series because I don't think Marc-Andre Fleury has it anymore. And will they have a defense, especially having, you know, half their defense ended up in Washington this year. Are they going to have a defense that can actually stop Puck from hitting their own net? The other questionable thing about Sidney Crosby is mentally. Uh, you know, we've seen the last few years. There have been players that have been really able to get under his skin, and he spends a lot more time talking to the refs than he does going out there and playing. He's still an immense and incredible talent, and that even though he, I don't think he's the best in the league, he's number two. And it's Sidney Crosby is not the problem of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Let's be clear on that. The problem with the Penguins is on their back end. And if we look at hockey today, you need a tough back end and a fourth line that can play hockey. And in the East, you just don't see that on very many teams.
3: Wow, we're talking to Jeff Millard, hockey guru for Edge of Sports. Uh Jeff, you just said two phrases that I want to go to. You talked about a certain uh trading their entire defense to a certain team in Washington, and you talked about Ovechkin. The Washington Caps have a new coach, Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz, I believe I'm right about this, correct me if I'm wrong, is the first coach Ovechkin's ever had in his career. Who is an experienced NHL coach? Could that possibly be correct? Who's with That other is teams. true. That's amazing. Yeah, that, that's definitely true. When you with, think with of all the coaches, or or NHL talent. Yeah. When you think of all the coaches he's had, this is the first one.
5: Yeah, who's... and he's got a rumor of being a coach killer, but they haven't brought in anyone who really has the, the NHL experience. Uh, I mean, very few coaches out there have the NHL experience that uh, Barry Trotz brings. He was considered, you know, the uh, big sign. For, as far as coaches, he was the big free agent signing when he was let go by Nashville. Of course, he was the only coach in Nashville's history uh, when he was released. Uh, and he's never. See, this is an. In, Washington's really interesting. I have no read on Washington. I've studied it, I've followed them. Mm-hmm. I have no read on how they're going to do this year. They could be the best team in the league this year, and they could be the worst. Mm-hmm. I really have no idea mm-hmm. because there's a lot of things up for grabs in Washington. One, Barry Trotz has never had to manage the kind of talent of an Alex Ovechkin, mm-hmm. of a Nick Backstrom. like There's a lot of talent on that team, and it's, it'll be interesting to see how Barry Trotz manages it. We know him as being a defensive coach with a defensive system, but that was in a market where he had an amazing goaltender, a couple of really good defensemen, and no talent up front. Mm-hmm. Now what's going to happen when you have a very young goaltender? Some uh, They did improve their blue line quite a bit. But the bulk of the talent in Washington is up front. It's in your forwards. And that's not really a a player dynamic that Trotz has ever coached with before. So we really have no idea how uh, the Capitals are really going to play out this year. It's going to be a really interesting team to watch. Whether they're terrible or amazing, they're going to be very interesting to watch. uh, Oh,
4: go ahead. uh, you, You know what? What you're speaking about there is chemistry and I and, I, and I'm gonna this is, this is why you my man because you support something I say all the time it's not about the names it's not about the flash it's about chemistry and that's why I mean you're the expert and you and you just came right out and told the nation that you cannot see this team you can see this team going to the Stanley Cup finals you can see this team missing the playoffs and you know in your, in your explanation you're talking about chemistry
5: correct yeah, I, that, I, it is a lot of what it comes down to is how does a team play together? How do they come together throughout a season? Uh, very rarely does a team just steamroll through. They need to face some adversity, uh, get out there on a long road trip, and road trips can really bring a hockey team together. And I think that a long road trip could be good for this team, really bond them together. But we'll see what happens. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm really um, – I have no idea what's going to happen with the Capitals this year. There's a, Most teams you can kind of, you know, predict – with with relative ease about where they'll end up, the Capitals are not one of those teams. If anyone out there tells you they know exactly what's going to happen with the Capitals, they're either lying to you or they need to get an eight hundred number and and, uh, and a fake Jamaican accent because they are the real deal and they can see the future.
3: Wow! Whoa! 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 Hold on! Hold on though, because I I feel like I've seen this movie before. I've seen um I've seen coaches come into Washington and say. Our talent's on offense. We're all in on an offensive team, and I've seen coaches come in and say, the problem is that we don't do defense. Ovechkin, you're going to score half as many goals because we're playing everything back in conservative, and that's the key. And neither way seems to work. Coaches either bring in their own style and make teams conform to it, or coaches come in and they sculpt their strategy to the talents of this team. Do we have any indication of what Barry Trotz is going to do?
5: We don't. That's one of the things that makes it interesting. Let me push back just a second on what you said in there, in that that high-flying offensive style – I don't think it didn't work in Washington. It wasn't given a chance to work. It ran up against a really hot goaltender in Montreal years ago. And then the fan base and the management system panicked and said, oh, oh I my agree God, with we you. can't win with this. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they I agree went with away you. from a system that was working for them. And they tried to force a defensive system on a team that didn't want it. And we saw it be rejected. Now, mm-hmm. it'll be – this is not that team. This team is very different than that. It's built very different than that. It it's, has a very different coach than that, but there really is no read exactly on how the Capitals are going to play this year. We know that Ovechkin has moved uh, back to his natural side. We know that the uh, Trotz has said he's going to get less time on the power play, but I really don't see how that's going to go over um, that he's, his power play shot is amazing everyone knows exactly what shot's coming and still he nets it every time uh so I, I don't know how you can give up on those those easy goals but uh we'll see we'll see how he pulls it together can he make mike green a player again mike green is uh, just an anchor holding down the capitals right now can he cut that uh that chain and and, and get him swimming again i don't know uh that's Terrible metaphors there on my behalf, but <laughs> I, I really don't know what he's going to do if he can just get Mike Green going again. It, it, it'll be an amazing pickup for the
3: Capitals. Mm. And so, all right, real quick, we only have a couple minutes left from the East. Who do you like going to the Stanley Cup Finals? In hell is my show. I might as well ask this: What's the cap ceiling if everything breaks right with Barry Trotz?
5: Uh, I think the the Caps should make the playoffs again. Uh, if the caps could call it a really successful year if they can get to the conference finals I don't know that they can do that but that would be an extremely successful year for them Uh, I would say coming out of the East would have to be the Bruins I just don't see another team that has the the well roundedness Uh, other than maybe a Montreal I think Montreal is going to to be a really good team this year I I love their additions to the team Uh, I think PK Subban should have yeah. been named captain there, and he's doing wonderful stuff on and off the ice up in Montreal. And but I got to
3: i am guessing season you're going to go with season. the Windy City. Am I right
5: about this? Uh, I actually—I I think that the the Sharks are are a team that's going to surprise some people. I know that's a rough pick for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I think the Sharks are going to surprise some people. They collapsed last year in the playoffs, but I think that actually, if we look at the Islanders' run, uh, the end of the Islanders run taught the uh, when they won four Stanley Cups in the early 80s, we saw that last run really influenced the Oilers before, and the Oilers collapsed against Mm -hmm. the Islanders. I think that could be something. The collapse last year that we saw the Sharks could turn the Sharks into a different team and show them what it takes to win a cup. So I'm actually going out on a limb and going with San Jose.
3: Fantastic! Just for the record, everybody knows I got Chicago Bruins market down. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Millard, how can people follow you on Twitter? Keep up with what you're doing, man.
5: At Jeff Millard. That's G E O
3: F F M I L L A R D. That's Jeff with a G. Thanks so much, Jeff.
4: Miss your brother. Yeah, you know, miss I miss you too. Him t- Talk to y'all later. I miss him too, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah I really do. I
3: miss him too. Yeah, good, you know, what? Now, now, now I'm sad. Mm. It's kind of, it's kind of like now got awkward. Way to bring it bit. down, Coach. Thanks a lot, Coach. <laughs> coach, you know what you are? You're the Jay Cutler of this show. Hey, we gotta go to break. We'll be back after this to wrap it up.
1: Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. We'll return after this. Edge of Sports Radio returns. Here's Dave Zirin. Yo, 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 Dave Zirin
3: here, wrapping up Edge of Sports Radio. I made you laugh when I said that. <laughs> yeah. Didn't expect it. You who started, are you? Boom, we're back here. That's what who you did. Who are you? Yo, 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 we're back in Edge Sports Radio. <laughs> I do Look, let's talk about this straight up. The only thing that matters is whether or not you agree with what I'm about to say. Uh-oh. And it's okay if you disagree, because we're going to get about this in great detail next week. Next week mm. is NBA Prediction Week. Oh, boy. And you may disagree. <laughs> Dan's, Dan Baker's excited. He's really excited. <laughs> Next week, NBA Prediction Week. I am going to predict. I'm not, I'm just, there's a lot of predictions to go, but I just want to give you guys a heads up about something. I have the Wizards going to the NBA Finals. Now, Coach, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being me being certifiably insane, 1 being I know hoops like Red R back on crack. Talk
4: to me. Well, you are crazy. You're insane for thinking you know much about sports as Red R back. But that's not, that, that, that has some merit to it. That has some merit to it. What number do you put on it? Uh 10
3: is crazy. 1 is yeah, you see it definitely happening.
4: Yeah, 3 because it's Chicago and and and, and Cleveland are the only, only things that aren't uh, that would keep them from not getting there. So Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah.
3: Mark, early thoughts on my prediction next week. You can tear it apart, but just early Fair. gut reaction?
4: I mean, I I feel
0: I feel like the Cleveland and Chicago are the two clear ahead of I, a little bit crazier. I probably go about a six on that. A six on it's the a crazy. A little crazy. Dan, I know you know your hoops, and I respect your hoops
3: acumen. What do you say, my brother?
0: Well, as uh, Sekou would say, well, crazy. You're not. You're not crazy. It could happen, but will it happen?
3: I agree. That was I, a
0: good Sekou, I, by the way. I was, wow. <laughs> uh, um, it could yeah, happen, but will it happen? That's the a
3: sequoism. The
0: Cavs, uh, probably on paper, better team. And yes, agree. The Bulls, you can't say the Bulls because it's an if and only if. Derek Rose is healthy. Aside from that, you, I mean, man. honestly, one through five, the Wizards have the strongest one through five in terms of Thank their, you. their fifth. Is, they're, all, they're all very close. They're all quality basketball players. And
3: a bench that'll probably have Paul Pierce if he's not starting and that will also have Chris Humphreys. On it, I mean that to me, Martell Webster. I know he's hurt, but it's like this is this is a good bench. Andre Miller, easily Drew top Gooden. three. They yeah. can
0: beat anyone you, in the East
3: as a bench guy and... for ten minutes a game. You I'll do
4: you do know that the coach had a career year? Which coach? Randy Whitman. Yeah. Oh, I do know that. Okay,
3: Randy Whitman's poison uh, greatness. There.
4: Okay. Poised
3: for greatness. Hey, for all the fellas here, they don't think I'm crazy. We'll find out next week just how not. No, we do think you're crazy. Okay,
1: well, next week we'll confirm (laughs) my relative uh, mental state. (laughs) We are out of here. Peace! Sports and politics collide. Tune in next week and go to edgeofsports.com.
2: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.